0: Good morning, uh, my name is Eric, I'm the pastor here at Mosaic, and it's just so good to see you all uh, in person, And those who are watching online, I know my parents are online, and uh, we've got a few families that are home sick, so we're praying for you to get well, and we're glad that you're joining us online, uh, again, thanks for being here. Uh, I'm doing something a little different today, so I've never preached from a table, so this is my first time doing that, Um, but yeah, this is kind of what we wanted to dive into today. Uh, Six years ago, I lost 50 pounds, and then uh, we added two more kids to our family, we planted a church, and I turned 40, and I found all those 50 pounds that I lost. Uh, They came back. And so I started this new weight loss journey a couple of weeks ago, uh, which meant developing some new habits. You know, some of those were, you know, waking up at the same time every day, tall glass of water first thing in the morning, then drinking 80 to 100 ounces of water per day, uh, eating within 30 minutes of waking up, eating six small meals, set a little alarm on my phone so I don't forget, and then trying to average about 10,000 steps a day, which is like four to five miles a day. And those are all really good habits. Uh, helping me get healthier. I'm down 12 pounds. Maybe you saw my Facebook post. Uh, It's the size of my cat, James. That's what I've lost. So it's kind of fun to to hold that cat. But what I've learned is sticking with the right habits can help get real results. That Sticking with the right habits gets real results. I've mentioned this before. Uh, Probably the best book I read in 2019 is a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Highly recommend it for anything. If you want to change, uh, get this book. Uh, It's very good, uh, just kind of in life in general. Uh, It's not a spiritual book, but just really good. Uh, But maybe in your life you've wanted to change, but you're not sure how to do it. I'm pretty sure I think we've all felt that way at some point. But learning how to practice the right habits can really help us bring change about. Now maybe it's not a physical change. Maybe you love your body and there's nothing you want to change about it. But maybe it's your soul. Maybe it's your soul that just feels like it needs some attention that uh, just some change. I don't know about you but I talked to so many people that you know these last six months of pandemic and quarantine people have told me you know it feels like my relationship with God's taking a back seat. Uh, A number of you I know I've talked to you that like your business is just blowing up and you are so so busy that you don't have really time for anything else other than work and so maybe today you're just feeling like "Ah, you know my soul just needs a little bit of attention. And just like there are physical habits that can help us get healthy, there's also some spiritual habits that are good for our soul. And that's what we're going to spend these next six weeks about. I actually teased this out, um, I think it was in February, when uh, we went through the book of Colossians. Uh, and I was mentioning how I was just trying to figure out uh, what are some a good acronyms for uh, the spiritual habits. And we came up with this uh, H-A-B-I-T-S, habits. So uh, hanging out with other believers, active in your church, Bible engagement investing financially in God's kingdom, talking with God, and sharing your story. That's kind of our roadmap for these next six, six weeks when we talk about that. And then um, also I really want to encourage you to uh, join with us in on, the on middle of our week for Mosaic Midweek. That's like a, a middle of the week teaching that I, I'm recording in my office. Maybe we'll throw a worship song in there. We're uploading it to YouTube earlier in the week so small groups can watch that and discuss it. Or we're also going live with that on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., Facebook Live. You can just say hi. Love to just It's kind of a, a midweek to check in. Maybe you're not in a small group, and that's totally fine. But it's an opportunity just to say, hey, I'm here, to see others, or others to kind of see you. And, um, uh, again, enjoy those teaching. And for this next season, we are on those Mosaic midweek teachings kind of going through the spiritual practices. Last week I talked about the spiritual practice of silence and solitude. And just how uh, so often we see Jesus, he, he would go into the desert place, the wilderness, the quiet place, to be alone with his father. Uh, he'd do a lot of ministry, then he'd go in the, in the mornings, or he'd send his disciples on ahead on the boat, and then he'd join them later. And as apprentices of Jesus, if we want to be following in the footsteps of Jesus, uh, we want to practice what he did. And so silence and solitude is one of those things, and I kind of kicked that off last week. You can watch that uh, on our YouTube channel if you want to catch that later. But this month as well, I'll be going through just different spiritual practices. And we've said how, you know, our goal as apprentices of Jesus is we want to be with Jesus. In John 15, it says, you know, just like uh, to abide in Jesus, that we need to be plugged into the vine. Jesus is our vine. We're the branches. And we need to be plugged in to be with him if we're going to have life and vitality. But then we want to become like Jesus. And some of the ways we do that is not just through head knowledge, but by doing the things that Jesus did. And so we, we we've talked about how those practices are like the trellis that a vine can grow around. It really gives structure to our lives. And, and so it's these habits, these practices of of practicing Sabbath, uh, silence and and um, solitude, the practice of of prayer, of getting into God's scriptures first thing in the morning before we go on to you know our um, our, our social media apps or anything like that. And so again, during the midweek, I want you to join with us along that. Uh, Before we dive into our text, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark 3, and and, um, you can do that while I'm just going to pray for us this morning. God, thank you that you are here in this place. Thank you for those who are are joining us online or going to watch later. God, I pray that you would just step into my body, you would speak through my mouth, your mind would be in my mind. And Jesus, just that all who are here this morning, who are going to watch later, God, they receive from you what they need. God, that they would release those things to you that they need to let go of. Uh, Anxiety, worry, depression, stress, fear, shame. And Jesus, we just accept your free gift of grace and love and joy and peace. Be with us now as we just Dive into your word. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd love to have you join with me on Mark 3. Scriptures will be behind me as well. Uh, Mark 3, verse 31 through 35. And his mother and his brothers came. This is speaking about Jesus. And standing outside, they sent to him and called to him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. When Jesus speaks about the kind of community that he's building, the language he uses often is the language of family. When Jesus prayed, he prayed to God, his father. When he referred to his apprentices, he said that they were his brothers and sisters. Jesus likened his community to a family. And at first this sounds kind of nice and sentimental, but this is actually one of Jesus' most radical ideas, one that got him killed. It was radical in the first century, and it's just as radical here in the 21st century. And then the New Testament authors, uh, Paul and James and, and the rest, pick up where Jesus leaves off and run with this language. In fact, the most common term used in the New Testament to describe followers of Jesus is the Greek term adelphoi. And which is translated as brothers and sisters or siblings. It's used 342 times in the New Testament. Uh, Beats out every other term used to describe the followers of Jesus. This term, Adelphoi, siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ. So apparently, when we talk about what does it mean to belong to Jesus, one of the primary things is that it means to belong to the family of God. Now, here's the important thing to realize, and unfortunately, it's so easy for us to miss, because we live in a different culture and context, is that when Jesus says his followers are like a family, he doesn't mean the modern American family. And I know that because, uh, it's hard to believe, but 2,000 years ago, the modern American family didn't exist. Uh, America didn't exist. So that's not what Jesus was referring to. In the context that Jesus was teaching, he was speaking to those who came from ancient Mediterranean families. And their concept of family was much different than our concept of what we have today. All right, so real quick, kids, hang on with me, adults too. We're going to do a quick data dive, a little cultural anthropology, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. But perhaps the most significant difference between our concept of family and those in Jesus' day is that the ancient Mediterranean concept of family was what's called a strong group society. It's called a strong group society. The gist of it is that when the Mediterranean person thought about themselves, they thought about themselves primarily as part of a larger group. They didn't have such an individualistic mindset that we have here in Western 21st century America. Here's how uh, biblical scholar Bruce Molina describes a strong group society, just to help you kind of get a grasp of what this meant exactly. In a strong group society, the person perceives himself or herself to be a member of a group and responsible to the group for his or her actions, destiny, career, development, and life in general. The individual person is embedded in the group and is free to do what he or she feels is right and necessary, only if in accord with group norms and only if the action is in the group's best interest. The group has their priority over the individual member. Uh, Bruce Molina, New Testament scholar there. Uh, Even today, we have some strong group societies uh, here in our world. Examples of those might be uh, Korean culture, uh, a lot of African cultures, um, some Middle Eastern cultures where the group is elevated above the individual. Uh, but here in America, we have just very much the individual-based society. You know, even in the opening preamble of the Declaration of Independence, it's like, what are we all about? Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Like, you know, it, as long as my happiness doesn't impede and hurt you, do that thing. Like, you know, liberty, freedom, to do whatever I want to do. That is a high value in our culture uh nerd alert uh i'm a fan of sci-fi stuff and i was thinking about star trek you know and there's one character in star trek who comes from a strong group society uh we have spock and uh, he's kind of known for saying the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and that statement though is so foreign to our 21st century american mindset that we made him an alien. We're like, that's so weird. Why would we have the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few? No, my needs are what matters most. But oftentimes we look at strong group societies and we judge them as oppressive because we value individualism so highly here in the West. So this is something, a filter we just need to recognize where our mindset is different than Jesus' audience in the first century. Jesus' culture was a strong group society with the family as the most important group. However, your family was defined as your father's bloodline. That was more important than by marriage. What this means is that your closest relationships were your siblings, not actually your spouse, because oftentimes your spouse is an arranged marriage. And so your true closest relationships were your brothers and sisters. So what does Jesus call his apprentices? His brothers and sisters. The most intimate relationship in their world. Now this was a radical idea in their day and age. Two things. Number one, Jesus defines his family not by bloodline, but by whoever does God's will. That is my brothers and sisters, is what he says. And he says his family is open not just to Jewish insiders, but to those from every race, nation, culture, tongue, tribe. Second, Jesus' call was to put his family ahead of your bloodline family. We read that and we're like, okay, whatever, it's not a big deal because we come from this individualistic Western mindset, but this is radical in Jesus' time. Do you ever think about the fact that Jesus most likely, was the oldest living male of his bloodline. Therefore, he was responsible in the eyes of his village, before God, before everyone else around him, to take care of his mom and his younger siblings. And yet here he's saying, "Who are my mother and my brothers and sisters?" Not my bloodlines that his culture would say that is his primary uh, responsibility, but those who do the will of God. Jesus is saying, you have to give up your blood family to join my new multi-ethnic family. And if you don't do that, you can't be my apprentices. This is a radical teaching in Jesus' day. Now, when Jesus and the New Testament authors talk about church being a family, again, they're using this strong group family context. They're saying we should have that same level of commitment and care and priority towards our church family that someone from the ancient Mediterranean would have had towards their biological family. Now, here's where it gets a little uncomfortable for us uh, from Western individualistic mindset and myself included. So just to demonstrate how uncomfortable this is, I'm going to read that Bruce Molina quote we read earlier and substitute church for the word group. And I want to pay attention, have you pay attention, just How does your heart feel when I read this, and what is going on kind of inside your head? This is going to be fun, right? We're all going to be uncomfortable here. In the church, the person perceives himself or herself to be a member of the church and responsible to the church for his or her actions, destiny, career, development, and life in general. The individual person is embedded in the church and is free to do what he or she feels is right and necessary Only if in accord with church norms and only if the action is in the church's best interest. The church has the priority over the individual member. How many of you are freaking out a little bit and kind of, this is a cult I'm going to bolt? Yeah, I feel that way a little bit too, right? Because we come from this individualistic Western mindset. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, my needs, you know, not the groups. But this is the call of Jesus, is we are part of a Family that's broader than our own individual needs, beyond those just of our bloodlines and our biological family. When the Apostle Paul became a follower of Jesus and he wrote much of the New Testament, when he referred to salvation, the image he used often was this image of adoption that you are adopted into God's family when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And not only does God become your father, but the followers of Jesus become your brothers and sisters. I'm married into a wonderful family. My mother-in-law is actually here in the back. Everyone wave at Karen, make her uncomfortable. Hi, Karen, thanks for being here. Uh, family, of, uh, family of six, and then when my bride, Kristen, my wife, I don't know why I called her my bride, I never say that, uh, but when Kristen was in high school, her family adopted uh, a sibling set of three. But when my sister-in-law, Jadzia, was adopted by Kristen's parents, not only did John and Karen Miller become her mom and dad, But she simultaneously, at the same time, became sisters to Kristen, Tara, Michael, and Molly. Whether she wanted to be their sibling or not. I think we have a picture of my beautiful family up there. Uh, There's Jazzy and Tasha with my kids. Uh, Oh, you didn't form that, right? Bummer. Uh, And they are with, with their siblings. So what does this mean for us? When Jazzy, Tasha, when they were adopted into the family, John and Karen became their parents, but also they became siblings with those From a different bloodline. But they were family nonetheless. So what does that mean for us? Jesus' vision for church is that of a family. Church is not a building. It's not an event that we do on Sunday mornings. It's not a nonprofit that does good works. It's a family. It's coming together to be adopted together into God's family. He is our Father. And you, y'all, our brothers and sisters, Adelphoi, Siblings in Christ, what does it mean to be a family together? Well, eating together is central to what it means to be a family. They spend time together. They hold each other accountable. They bear one another's burdens. They're faithful to each other until death. If you go through the New Testament, I was going to go through them all this morning. I decided not to. But there's 59 one another commandments in the New Testament. And here's the thing about all those one another's you can't one another, each other, just in rows. We have to do life with each other in order to live out these one another commandments. Jesus' vision for family simply doesn't align with our American ideals of individualism. And I know some of you, are, you're feeling this kind of just pushed back in your heart because maybe you've had issues and deep, deep hurts with your own family. The truth is family is the place of our deepest hurts so often but it's also the place so often where it's the place of our deepest healing and church is a lot like that when you join the family of God you may go through some hurts I know many of you came from previous churches and you experienced spiritual abuse or hurt and you struggled to trust but family is also where we experience healing where we we dust ourselves off and we say okay I'm going to forgive, I'm going to move on and we're going to come to the table together. I'm going to invite I ask a couple people, uh, Rachel, Michael, um, Karen who else did I ask? Kay um, and then if I can get Brenda and Owen to come on up to the table and just, I just want to illustrate this at our table here. What does this mean that we Come to the table. Before Jesus went to the cross, the symbol he gave his followers to remember was to come together to break bread, drink wine around a table. He said, do this in remembrance of me. The book of Revelation tells us that when heaven ultimately comes to earth and all tears are wiped away, we're going to celebrate as one giant feast, as one family of God. Everyone is invited to the table. And as we practice the way of Jesus, we need partners for our journey, a community to help us along the way. Jesus invites all who follow him to be a part of this new family. The church is not a social club, it's not a group of friends who look and think and act all the same, but it's a community of apprentices following the way of Jesus. We invite and say, Mike, my Adelphoi. My brother in Christ, I know you've had some hurts by the church in the past, but you are welcome at the table, and I'm so happy to call you my brother in Christ. Okay. Brand new to our community, coming from college, Lutheran Bible School with Ethan, and we're so excited to get to know you, and you've been helping our students Sunday nights. You are my Adelphoi, my brother, sister in Christ, and we're so excited to welcome you to our table. Rachel, dear Rachel, been a part of our community for five years from the very beginning. An amazing story of being born in another continent, coming here, finding your way to cold Minnesota. And I know you hate driving in the snow, but so often you'll come even in the winter, and now I know you're glad that you can watch online. And (laughs) just, I'm so excited that you are my Adelphoi, my sister in Christ, and that you are at the table. Yeah. And Owen, sixth grader, rocking out in the drums, give him a hand, my word. Yeah. Sixth grade, what? Come to youth group, you are my Adelphoi. You are my brother in Christ. And I'm so excited to welcome you to the table. Others in our church, you have different stories, different backgrounds. And we're so excited to welcome you to the table. This is what it means to be a family of Christ. It's not just sitting in rows and, and receiving a teaching. It's not just, uh, you know, singing some songs, you know, when, it, when, it, it, when we want to. It, it, it's being at the table. It, and something happens when we share a meal together. Where strangers become neighbors and neighbors become family. And, and we get to know each other's stories. And we share scotch outside on the driveway. Or a meal in our home or whatever it might be. And, and, and we laugh and we cry and, and, and we talk sports and life and all these things. And now we are in crazy times. We all know this during COVID. Some of us aren't well aren't comfortable, you know, coming to a physical table with others, and that's Okay, but I want to encourage you, are you coming to the table with somebody outside of your bloodlines that is a part of your church family? You know, I know we're all zoomed out. I'm totally zoomed out, but, but maybe you're going to say, okay, you know, Friday nights, we're going to set up a Zoom call. You just send out a link and, and you're, you're going to have pizza or something and you're just going to share your stories as you share a meal together, just, you know, online. Uh, Maybe you want to choose to kind of uh, have a a small bubble. Uh, You know, many churches are doing this where you say, okay, you know, two other families or three other families or you know, uh, we're going to quarantine kind of together. And, and, uh, you know, so we'll be with each other and we'll share a meal. But, you know, you're maybe still not going out to eat or or just with anyone. But there's some some few trusted people where you're going to come to the table if we want to be followers of Jesus and apprentices and live like him it's not just an individual mean Jesus thing we are adopted into his family with those who are different who come from different backgrounds who may have different political views who, you know, may cheer for the Seahawks tonight instead of the Vikings and Mike won't hold that against me too much, right? Um, they've never beaten Russell Wilson so we'll see what happens Um, Five and zero, um, but but truly, I think the table is such a beautiful picture of the family of God. It's not just sitting in a row or listening to a sermon podcast, and that is what is different about just you know uh, virtually attending a church or something. It's it, it, it's real life. It's gritty. Uh, you know, following Jesus is not just a spiritual thing. It's our bodies, it's minds, and it's souls. And so it's coming to the table together. And there's, you know, an empty seat. (laughs) Because there's always room for one more at the table. We never fill up and say, that's it. You know, no one else is welcome. Just, you know, us four and no more. Uh, We're good. Because there are so many hurting people out there who feel alone, who don't feel like there's someone who cares for them. Again, our vision is to be a church that is a blessing to our community. To help people know that Mosaic is a place where they can belong at the table even before they believe. We do this ultimately so that people would believe that Jesus is Lord. Because we truly believe that's the best way. That through Jesus we can experience freedom from our shame and bondage and guilt. That we can belong with others from different backgrounds. And then we help each other bring that good news. My wife, Chris, and I, um, no one signed up for a small group this fall until, like, the last week. And so we decided, you're not going to do a normal small group, first time in five years. But, you know, we're just going to reach out to some of you families, but also some of our neighbors. And spend some more time just coming to the table with our neighbors. Maybe, again, that's where you are in this season of life. It's, it's inviting some of your neighbors over to the table that you want to kind of quarantine together. Again, be safe. You know, whatever, um, you know, you're comfortable with that level. But it's ultimately, we want to be bringing that good news of Jesus to others that, hey, you can be blessed. Hey, you can find belonging. Yeah, everyone's welcome at the table. I'm going to pray. And then uh, Ethan's going to come up and introduce our kids' ministry video. Uh, and then those of you who joined us online, uh, we're going to shut off the feed. Uh, you can watch our kids' ministry video um, online on our YouTube page. Uh, our hosts are going to post a, a link for you that you can watch. just a five-minute video about kind of who we are and your next steps. Again, thanks for joining us online. I know Stapleton's, uh, my parents, uh, Anderson's, whoever else is watching online, it's so good to see you guys this morning. Uh, Let's pray. God, thank you that you, our Father, sent your Son, Jesus, not just to die on the cross for our sins, not just to teach us the way to live, but to invite us into your family. Jesus is our big brother, that we get to now call each other brothers and sisters even though we may come from different backgrounds different countries different political parties different everything but we can be in in family together in Christ and i thank you for that god i pray that we just continue in our own hearts and as a church just have that mindset of welcoming others to the table that when We feel comfortable with that, that we actually would dine with others, that we would laugh, that we would share, break the bread, that we would remember your sacrifice. Thank you that all are welcome, that all are invited. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, guys, so much. I'm going to invite Ethan to come on up.